thanks so much. Um, first of all, thank you, uh, Sonic Acts, for inviting me. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. I'm going to open up uh, a few ideas and images around the film. It's going to be 20 to 25 minutes tops. Um, once I get this set, we have a link between the computer. Bear with us for a second. Yeah. So, in the summer of 1964, my grandmother, Rosel, attempt, uh, stamped a postcard addressed to her husband back in Israel. I'm having a wonderful stay, she reported, resting and getting well. Rosel had been traveling to Bad Gastein on a yearly basis to bathe in the thermal waters and gaze at the Alpine Vista. With renew renewed hopes of easing the chronic pain she suffered in her joints, the summers in Gastein were her getaway. Above all, it was the Hellstollen, the healing tunnel, that brought her there. The Hellstollen, and a narrow tunnel that cuts for four kilometers into the granite below the, below the mountain, was the secret attraction of the Gastein Valley. On arrival, Rosel was welcomed by a team of Austrian doctors, given a complimentary robe and towel, and escorted to a small train. Together with dozens of patients, she was driven into the depths of the shaft to a wide cave in the bowels of the earth. Once there, she would alight from the train and recline on a wooden bed, absorbing the high humidity and scorching heat. The concentration of radon gas that emanated from the crevices of the geological layers beneath made the tunnel into a seemingly miraculous facility where visitors were exposed to an alien climate that healed the body. Evenings were spent on the porch of her hotel room where, from, from where she would gaze at the mountainside that was partially visible. Looking up, Rosel might have contemplated whether to add one last fleeting thought, thought to her postcard. How is it that this landscape, which she had learned to fear, could now be the cure for her illness? The healing qualities of the Hellstollen are the, are the perverse inversion of modern history. While the saturation of radon underground was heralded as a cure, its initial discovery tied to the necropolitics of war and colonization. Following the annexation of Austria by the Third Reich on 12 of March 1938, the, gold, um, the old gold mines in Gastein were reopened. Although the once abundant gold in the Gastein Valley was said to be utterly exhausted, the Nazified Austro-Hungarian conglomerate Prusag AG resumed digging, desperately searching for new routes to the hidden gems of the underground. Leaving the surface of the, of the landscape intact, the volume of the mountain was emptied out. Beginning in the 1940s, the Third Reich employed slaves and war prisoners to excavate the occupied territories. Digging into the soil in Germany, Austria, and Poland, the Reich assigned various strategic functions to the realm of the underground. At a, labor, at a labor camp next to Linz, forced laborers hollowed out a mountainside to convert it into a weapons facility that catered to the German Luftwaffe. 
In the Mittelbau Dora concentration camp in central Germany, Jewish prisoners deprived of fresh air and sunlight for months on end produced V1 and V2 missiles with, um, within secret underground facilities unseen by British aerial reconnaissance. In Badgestein, the terrestrial realm promised a future of a different kind. In 1942, an unlikely occurrence was documented in the gold mine nearby in the foothills of the Alps. Polish war prisoners made to undertake backbreaking labor reported on odd bodily sensations. Following weeks of exposure to escalating temperatures and humidity in the dark underground mine shafts, they were gradually ridden of their pains. The alien subterranean microclimate had allegedly shown unexpected results. Bodies broken by subhuman conditions were slowly revitalized. Austrian physicians from the University of Innsbruck were quick to respond to such tales of rejuvenation and physical exhilaration induced through the exposure to the underground rock. While heat and lack of sunlight were known to be deadly to the human body, the scientists discovered that the tunnel inverted this medical, lo medical logic, making the geological layers a source of rare energy. Geiger counters deployed in the lower ge uh, geological strata clicked frantically to indicate the presence of radioactivity. Radon, the scientists discovered, had made its way from the depth of the soil and saturated the caverns of the gold mine. When the war ended, the gold the gold mine was repurposed at a therapeutic facility. Gold replaced with radon, rock with gas. Extraction and forced labor were suppressed and the site rebranded as a place of health and well-being. Scientists deployed by the newly opened Hellstollen initiated a series of tests to assess the effects of radon on human subjects. Under the magnifying glass, geological layers were consolidated into the human body while peering into the um, skin was akin to penetrating the earth and making it visible. In both cases, the eye was not sufficient and technical extensions were required. In both cases, beliefs, imaginations, and myths manifested as a desire to expose the secret vitality within matter and the entwined livelihood of human and stone. To this day, the effects of radon remain ambiguous. After spending time in the heat of the tunnel, patients are driven back to the surface of the mountain by a small underground train where they are advised to rest and refrain from activity. Once they emerge at the surface, they claim to feel an intense euphoria. But for this feeling to last, they must repeat the exposure several times and remain in the Austrian countryside for weeks. I quote, the combination of high humidity, warmth, and radon gas makes the Gesteiner uh, Hellstollen a form of therapy unlike anywhere else on Earth, end of quote. That's from the um, official brochure. Radon, or rather its decay, is claimed by the health center to provide long-lasting pain relief. The radon is released from deposits of uranium deep within the ground. As uranium decays, radon is formed and injected into the crevices um, into the bedrock. Fissures and pores in the substrate allow the radon to migrate to the surface where it can be released into the air. 
Radon is a colorless, odorless, and tasteless gas, and is therefore undetectable by human senses alone. The presence of radioactivity in the environment of the tunnel is therefore tested by scientists hired by the facility itself uh, through its residue uh, within human cells. According to uh, a report by the World Health Organization, radon is a, hazard, is, a, is a hazard to the human body. I quote, it escapes easily from the ground into the air where it decays and produces further radioactive particles. As we breathe, the particles are deposited in the cells where they can damage DNA, end of quote. But low dosages of exposure to radon, scientists from the University of Salzburg claim, show positive effects on the ailing body. These scientists employ the principle of hormesis, which indicates that a low dosage of a toxic substance before the point it tips over to become poison can restore the human body. The invisible radioactivity within the tunnel counters the extreme optics of the mountain above. While the landscape above invokes the terror of the sublime, in the dark tunnel, bodies are touched in a wholly different way. The tension between above and within rouses the distinction between a land that is seen and a land that is experienced, albeit invisible. Aura, a quality famously defined by Walter Benjamin as, I quote, a unique apparition of a distance, however near it may be, end of quote, and as an essential and unapproachable realm, becomes ever nearer, tactile, and invasive. No longer bearing any distance, this aura enters the body to alter it from within. It becomes a medicine that can easily harm the body if consumed in high dosages, yet oddly therapeutic when taken at a low dosage, a kind of immersive chamber where the body is no longer removed from the environment, but enmeshed or entwined within it. Imagining the mountains or the mountain in ways other to its physical volume traces the limits of representation and perhaps paves the way to a definition of a landscape that does not fall under the purview of an image at all. Within the tunnel, human bodies are the surfaces upon which the landscape leaves its mark, imprinting itself upon the cell and tissue. While the landscape outside, captured as representations in the form of paintings, snapshots, and films that appeal to the naked eye, in the tunnel, the radon leaves its trace internally, inhaled, absorbed, and consumed through the skin. The body, it seems, is the postcard of the subsoil. Underground, the conventional classification of five discrete senses, while intuitively appealing in that they relate to distinct organs and locations in the body, seems to be heading to oblivion. Instead, the body becomes a life form that is both healed and potentially killed by proximity to stone. The duality of above and below invokes German romanticism, for which upper and lower worlds mirrored each other, reflecting one in the other, while secretly shaping a language of patterns that binds the world together. The romantically inclined geologists of the 18th century believed that the mineral world paralleled our own. Thinkers such as Johann Gottfried Herdel and poets like Novalis tapped into the hidden powers of darkness in their turn toward neglected forms of existence, namely death, the magical world, darkness, the irrational and the unspeakable. In his Heims to the Night, Novalis underscores the relevance of darkness for romantic thought. I quote, 
These blind eyes, having no need for light, see through the depth of a loving soul, end of quote. The German writer pits the superficiality of light, which only touches upon the exteriors of beings, against the depth of darkness. The light of reason is here unable to reach the core of human existence that can only be approached in darkness with blind eyes. The fascination with the inside of the mountain is part of Novalis's effort to revitalize the natural environment and see beyond the mute surface of the rock into the, into the animate core. The miners believe that a mountain has more to it than what lies at the surface, that nature has secrets to be unveiled, should be interpreted as an attempt to re-enchant the world, which was increasingly viewed as a collection of raw materials. I quote, nature will never be the possession of any single individual, wrote Novalis in 1802. In the form of property, it becomes a terrible poison. Such metaphysics nevertheless fueled a booming mining industry in the 19th century, nourishing that the belief that the subsoil or the soil underneath the pristine landscape is a vast source of magical substances. I quote, gold appear, appeared as solidified light raised from a subterranean world, writes the historian Esther Leslie. But this imagined coupling of upper and lower realms was severed by the Third Reich and repositioned as two opposites. The rigid Alps above Bad Gastein were converted into ideology during the time of rising national sentiment in the 1920s and 30s. The unreachable peaks were considered a realm of myth where, according to Hans Hulbinger's theory of glacial cos cosmology or cosmogony, the Aryan race was conceived from frozen sperm. The untouched realms of the Alps were alleged to be the roots of the Aryan race itself. From ice it was born and to ice it would ultimately return. It is not a surprise then that high-ranking SS officers attributed a cleansing quality to those mountains and found solace in, Gest in the Gestein Valley. Mountain peaks were harnessed as icons of racial purity and weaponized as part of a political strategy. But within, um, but under the mountain, the earth was there to be pillaged. Peering into the mass volume below the Alps means tying together these seemingly contradictory human relations to the environment, the desire to naturalize and extract, to domesticate and alienate, to occupy and to harness the sublime to ideology and realpolitik. The horizontal, the horizontal lines of territorial conquest rotate 90 degrees to be actualized by the vertical desire to dig into the soil and extract the remaining gold from the earth. As an incomplete project of expansion, the Third Reich's excavation into the soil of Europe hints to the potential of colonizing the vast and boundless spaces beneath the ground. The leftovers of mines and tunnels underneath the Alps are symptoms of modernity's insatiable hunger for resource extraction dormant in capitalism at large. Indeed, while the saturation of radon underground was celebrated as an extraordinary cure, its discovery ties it to the violence of territorial uh, occupation and the exploitation of natural resources. Well-being and colonization are bound together as the two sides of Lebensraum. Coined by the German geographer Friedrich Ratzel, 
1897, I think, Lebensraum implied a theory according to which the development of all species, including humans, is primarily determined by their adaptation to geographic or geological circumstances. Species that successfully adapted to one location, he thought, would spread naturally to others. Ratzeld went on to argue that to remain healthy, species must continually expand the amount of space they occupy, for migration is a natural feature of all species, an expression of their need for living space. However, according to Ratzel, such expansion could be successful only if the conquering nation colonized the new territory. A term, the term Lebensraum was thus easily mobilized by Adolf Hitler who, um, to address both the desired comfort in the life of the German Volk, which is associated with leisure and domestic well-being, and to unleash colonial violence for the sake of expanding the limited space and natural resources of Europe. From his prison in 1926, Hitler wrote of the Alps, I quote, nature knows no political boundaries. She places life forms on this globe and then sets them free in a, in a play of power, end of quote. Historian Anthony Snyder has noted that the concept of Lebensraum, which literally translates as living room, holds together the well-being of individuals who find consolation and comfort with the expansionist desire to secure land in a gradually shrinking world, which faces the rapid depletion of resources. Through the notion of Lebensraum, the idea of landscape cracks open to absorb both its cultural meanings as a representation and its darker underbelly of colonial expansion. The first is mediated through the visual spectacle of the mountain, and the second is hidden beneath within the geological strata, where borrowing took place and where radon was discovered. The Alpine vista <clears throat> of vistas are implicitly haunted by their invisible volume, the extractive desire, which often remains outside of representation. The Mineschaft in Austria becomes the emblem of Lebensraum by weaving together health with the pillaging of the earth. Radon is its manifestation. And in kind of a concluding, in the 1980s, a global controversy erupted over the healing qualities of radon. By the end of the decade, the United States introduced the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, which enabled miners and veterans who were exposed to nuclear warfare to claim compensation after contracting cancer as a direct result of uranium mining or nuclear testing during the Cold War. This act increased awareness of the potentially hazardous effect of radon. An expert physician from Salzburg University um, notes that more recent findings clearly demonstrate an increased incidence of leukemia and other malignant diseases caused by radon's radioactivity. Nevertheless, extensive experiments are routinely conducted at the university to bolster the assumptions that exposure to radon, although risky, proved to bear significant medical qualities. Paid for by the Hellstollen to prove and support the healing qualities of radon, the labs at the Salzburg University aim to resuscitate the belief that the tunnel is in fact beneficial as a last resort treatment. Today, the many visitors who once inhabited the prestigious hotels in Badgestein no longer arrive 
and the facilities at the sanitarium have become um, under increased scrutiny. Rosel, my grandmother, also stopped arriving at Bad Gestein. When she died, it was briefly suggested that the prolonged exposure to radon had caused the illness, but this was mere speculation. In her absence, only a few pictures and postcards document her unique attachment to the landscapes in Bad Gestein. Yet the pastoral screen resort bears no clear signature of the radioactivity that lies beneath, nor does it show the histories that it holds. Thank you. Thank you.